Thank you, Lord. Well, are you blessed tonight? Amen. Are you double blessed? Amen. Are you blessed going in and going out? Hallelujah. Now, no, Rick, you're not more blessed when you're going out. You're more blessed when you're coming in. So anyway, hallelujah. John chapter 10, if you have your Bibles tonight. You know, we've been sharing. We started on in the book of Proverbs and going towards a seminar on wisdom. It just seemed like the Holy Spirit just kept on. Hey, Mike, just kept on uh, going on about different things in the word, about the teacher and the student and. And there's just some things I want to share with you tonight. I felt the Lord put on my heart something I believe we really need for the end times. And Sunday night I'm going to be sharing about where the body and where different things are about the end times. But it says here in John chapter 10, verse 1, uh, let me read this in the Living Bible. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Verse 2, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice. You, you need to write that down. Recognize his voice. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That in, you need to take this personal. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can recognize the voice of the Lord. There's nothing so more marvelous than hearing the voice of the Lord speak to us. That the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. And he calls his own sheep by name. Can you imagine? Jesus calls your name. He calls you in the midst of the desert. He calls you in the midst of your trouble. He calls you by name. And listen to what it says. He calls you by name and He leads you out. You're not stuck. You're not down. You're not downcast. You're a sheep of the pasture of the great shepherd. And it says He knows your name. He will lead you out. After He has gathered His own flock, He walks ahead of them. And they follow Him. Why do they follow Him? Listen. Because they know His voice. Because they know His voice. Verse 5 says, They won't follow a stranger. They will run from Him because they don't know His voice. You know, as we've been speaking about wisdom and hear instruction, son, hear the instruction of a father and the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding that we've been hearing in the book of Proverbs. And thank God that the Lord knows each and every one of us by name. But the thing about it is He knows us by name. But the, the emphasis here is the importance of us recognizing and knowing His voice. That we know the voice of the Lord and we don't follow the voice of the stranger. And I believe as we're getting into the end times and, and different things are happening, I believe we're going to be held even more responsible of the time we invest in spending time to know His voice, to recognize His voice, to better hear and pray, Lord, make me sensitive to know the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's so important that we know His voice. You know... Elijah, can you imagine? It says the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he prophesied about tomorrow meet me on Count Mar uh, Carmel and we're going to uh, show who's God, either Jehovah or Baal. And the word of the Lord came to him and told him, go by the brook Cherith, where I've commanded the ravens to sustain you. And as you know, the ravens brought him food twice a day, meat. And then the voice of the Lord came to him after two, two and a half years and said, now I've prepared and I've commanded a widow to sustain you in Zephyrath, Jezebel's own hometown. And I want you to go there because I've commanded a widow that hasn't rained for over two and a half years. It's, it's drought. It's depression. You name it. That's what it is. But I've commanded a widow to take care of you there. And the word of the Lord would come and speak to him. And, you know, I remember when my wife and I, 
after we had moved overseas for a few years and we were getting ready to cross Mexico and uh, we were on a time limit and we, were, we needed to meet somebody in Mexico so we needed to hurry up across the border and so we were at the border and they told us the border was closed they wouldn't let us out that night they wouldn't let us cross over from Texas into Mexico we'd have to spend the night in a hotel and so we started praying and we say Lord we know that men say we can't go but we know you've commanded us to go and I thank you Lord you are going to make a way so we were there standing by our van. We had another young man who was going to live with us as an intern for six months. And so we were there praying. And then uh, all of a sudden, this little uh, Mexican fellow with a uh, little beret came up to me, a little Italian beret came up to me. He said, I heard you want to uh, cross over tonight. I said, yeah, we do want to cross over. He says, well, follow me. And it's getting dark in Reynosa, Mexico. And I'm supposed to leave my wife and that brother there. And I'm supposed to walk with this guy inside of Mexico. And the Spirit of the Lord, I just heard him so clear. He says, go. So here I am walking. I don't know how far down downtown Mexico with this guy. And all of he says, okay, when you go in this building here. And so the, I just feel a peace. So I just go in this building. And he tells me to sit down. And there's a typewriter and a desk. No pictures, nothing on the wall. And he starts asking me what I have in the van. And he starts typing this stuff up and everything like that. And he says, it cost you $50. I said, okay, we'll pay the $50. So he types it up and he says, okay, now come. So he pulls the paper out. And when we walk out this door, this little Mexican fella and myself, here's this old car. No paint, just rust. Belling wire holding the bumper and no windows. And some guy behind the steering wheel looking at me. And he says, okay, you get in the middle, in the front seat, and it's even darker now. You've got to know the voice of the Lord and not the voice of the stranger. You're in Reynosa. Do y'all hear what's going on in Reynosa right now? That's always been going on in Reynosa. And the Spirit says, go ahead. So I got in and I got in the middle and he got on the side of me and I'm in the middle in this car that smoking and belling wire and the seats are tore sitting on springs and we start going down, down deep into this area. And it's dark now. And he tur turns down this street, goes down this other street. And I'm thinking, I thank you, God, that you are with me. I plead the blood. 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 And we stop in front of this real nice house with a bunch of uh, rejas. Um, uh, uh, rejas. Iron gates. Thank you. You know Spanish. Uh, iron gates. And uh, all of a sudden, here comes this guy, in his uh, elderly guy in his pajamas. The guy I had gave the $50 to gave him this paper. He signed the paper, handed it back, said, okay. He came back to the car and he showed me. That guy in the pajamas was the Mexican colonel. And he, that, these two guys brought me to the colonel's house. They signed the papers, took me back to the border. I walked back to the car. We got in the car and we crossed that, that night with no problem at all and drove for hours to our location we needed to get to. But how many of you know I needed to know because my mama told me, don't do that. <laughs> Other missionaries told me, don't do that. You don't get in the car with nobody you know, don't know. You don't go at night with anybody you don't know. You don't do that. But when the Holy Spirit says, and you know the voice, you know it wasn't your mind, you know it wasn't your impatience, you know the voice of the Lord. And, and, and I want to share something else with you. Because a lot of times we make things, it's funny what people make out to be so spiritual, and it's, re, it's, it's not spiritual, it's Stupid. You hear somebody want to get so spiritual and they go, I'm just like that song. Jesus, take the wheel. Just take the wheel. You know, that is so stupid. Because he should be having the wheel anyway. 
You shouldn't be trying to direct your own life. And all of a sudden, and, and you can even assume you ever, you got any relatives who, who aren't saved yet? And it's amazing. They'll, they'll have their, they'll have their, they'll have a cigarette between this finger and they'll have their drink and they'll be playing Jesus take the wheel and they start crying. Jesus take the wheel. They look so spiritual, you know, with their cigarette and their drink in their hand. You know, Jesus just take the wheel. But you know what? That's how we live a lot of times. Whenever everything's going good, Lord, I can handle this. In the major decisions, oh God, you've got to take hold of my life. I surrender my life. You have your way, but when everything's okay, when Russell can handle it, I got the will, Jesus. It's okay. Watch how good I can do. But when it comes to major decisions in our life, then we want Jesus to take the will. And Lord, you have your way. I want to follow you. No, no. He needs to be in full control. It's His way. Amen? It's His way. It's not our way. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Let me read something to you here out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. I want to talk to you a little bit about you cannot get to know the intimate voice of the Holy Spirit and know the leading of God and know what God would have you to do without one of the first things we've got to learn to do is trust God. Trust the voice of God. And that's what I want to emphasize in just a few minutes tonight about the importance of the word trust. There's a lot of things here, but I want to emphasize on the word trust. Look with me here in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. What does it say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. You see, that's not Jesus take the wheel. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all, all of your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then... When we do these things, it becomes health and blessings to our flesh, strength to our bones. And then it goes on to say, look at verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your income. So your barns shall be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And it talks about the prophets of it and the blessings of it. It says in verse 17, her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. That's why you hear so many times the importance of following peace. But, you know, about trusting God, many times we show the difference in how we trust God. For example, we can trust God. God, I just trust you that you're going to... I know that God's power can trust devils. Oh, here, here, here's my bag for tonight. Thank you. I asked her, I said, give that to me next time. Here we go. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. God's confirming this in the mouth of two witnesses. Let everything be established. So pay attention tonight. Amen. Now listen, so many times, you know, I trust God. God is the God. I can trust God about devils and demons and sickness and disease. But how often we, we trust God in that area, but we don't trust him that, Lord, in this rough time, if I give you 10%, you said you'd open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessings upon me and rebuke the devourer. I don't know if I can trust God about that. God, you handle the devils. Let me handle my money. When we walk in the area of selfishness and foolishness, we walk in the area of self-sufficiency. And when we walk in the area of self-sufficiency, then I don't need 
God or nobody else telling me what to do because, you know, God's given me enough common sense to know what I'm supposed to do. And as far as, you know, really, you know, giving God 10%, I mean, you know, uh, that, that's just too much money and look, look how things are. So I just don't think I can go there. But boy, I can trust God. I know when God speaks, the devil's shaking. I just know hell rents and I just know there's power, omnipotent power in the name of Jesus. I can trust the name of Jesus when it comes to devils, but I don't know if I can trust omnipotent power when it comes to tithe and offering. I'll handle this. You said to forgive my enemies, but I feel like I need to handle this my way. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. What is talking here in the issue of trust is about how do I respond to things around me? When I trust God, I'm going to respond to things differently than someone who trusts in their own self and my own opinion. Wise in my own eyes. And so 5 and 6 here is talking about the core of the Christian faith. That even in tough times, even in tough times, I've got to learn to not lean on my own understanding, but trust God in every area. In the area of my family, in the area of all these things. It says in the Living Bible, it says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Do not be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Evil which is doing what I want to do. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 19. Look at that with me right quick. In this hour where it's important that we make a a decision that we're going to stay on the right track. Amen. We do not want to get off track. But how many of you can admit, have you ever gotten off track? Have we ever missed it? Yes, we have. But thank God we've learned. Amen. And we've become more sensitive and we want to get to know the voice of the Father even more intimately. It says in Proverbs fifteen nineteen, the way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. It's an open path. And so God wants us to learn how to walk in the way we're supposed to be. In Psalms 27, verse 11, it says that God wants to lead us into the plain path. Write that down, Psalms 27, 11, the plain path. And you can pray. You need to pray these scriptures. Lord, I thank you that you are leading me in the plain path. So many times, you know, we come to the pastor or we go to someone, we say, listen, I need you to pray with me that God gives me wisdom. But the question I always ask is, are you praying the word for yourself? Are you praying? Are you... Listen, the way of the lazy man ends up finding a path of thorns. Why? I want somebody to pray for me, but I don't want to do my homework and take the scriptures and pray myself. I want you to pray the doors open, and I want you to pray the right prayer, and I even want you to tell me what I need to do. That's the way of the lazy man. The way of the wise person, the way of the wise son and daughter, is that I don't not looking independent that someone's going to tell me what to do. I know the voice of the Father. I know His voice and the voice of the stranger I will not follow. But that means that I have to pray these scriptures. I have to take Psalms 27 verse 11. I thank you, Father, that you lead me and you guide me. I thank you that you lead me in in, in the plain path, in the right path, the path that is open and wide and, and level that you lead me, that there's no obstacles and the obstacles are there or not permanent because you're leading me this way. And so I'm trusting you. Psalms 119 says, His word is a lamp unto my feet. His word is a lamp unto my feet. 
And so many times, you know, like I said, we, we want, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this tape on and I believe this tape will say exactly what I have to say. It may do that sometimes. I want to put on this worship. It may say exactly what I say. It may do that sometimes. I want to open the Bible wherever it opens and put my finger and God may speak to me. It may happen sometimes, but the majority of the time it does not happen that way. It'll come day after day. God, why don't you talk to me? Lord, I'm fasting and I'm prayer. I'm worshiping. I'm seeking you. And it seems like I'm waiting for you to speak to me. You're not speaking to me. And he's just saying, well, are you going to continue to pan after me? Are you going to continue to run after me? Are you going to continue to pay the price to wait on me? Or are you going to try to find the easy way out or make an easy way out? Are you going to wait before me? Let me be God. Are you going to wait before me and allow your heart to become more and more tender in my presence? Or are you going to get in a hurry like Saul, who was right in his own eyes? And the, the a prophet said, Sam, Saul, I remember when you were little in your own eyes and you listened and you heeded the voice of the prophets. But now that you have gotten all this and now that you have done all this, now you are not little in your own eyes anymore. And now you see, you do as you see fit. So now your kingdom shall be rent out of your hands. Why? Because now you're no longer little in your own estimation. Now you're wise in your own estimation. And now you're going to find the way to do it. Why? Because the people putting pressure on you. Oh, there's going to be pressure. Oh, there's going to be pressure in the decisions. And there's going to be different opinions. And there's going to be different things coming to you this way and that way. But the thing about it is, is that the reason we're in the oven where the furnace is up high is so that we can be made into vessels that can receive and comprehend the full Word of God and be able to walk in the knowledge and wisdom of God and not live a life saying, oh, all the mistakes and all the wrong turns are made. But he said, "He, I will lead you into the plain path. Not a pathway of thorns, not a pathway of stumbling, not a pathway of mistakes like, oh, I did it again. Oh, why didn't God stop me? He's saying, why didn't you listen? Why didn't you heed? So I feel the Spirit of God is saying this. He wants to lead us and guide us. His Word is a lamp. I need direction and I need to listen. You know, there's so many things people tell you. They'll tell you, fake it till you make it. And people will write that down as a word from God. You know what that is? That's a head-on collision, baby. Fake it till you make it is not a word of God. It's a manipulative word of man. And a lot of people take these words and they take it as a word of God. No, you don't have to fake nothing and you don't have to make nothing happen. If God is not making it happen, then it ain't God anyway. That's right. If it's not happening, God isn't doing it. And if God's not doing it, maybe you don't need it done. Woo! Amen. Collision course. When we just take the word of man and we don't balance it with the lamp of the word of God. Amen. It says, lean not onto your understanding. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and he will make your paths straight. Amen. That's what it promises. And it talks about uh, the good life and the blessing that God will give. Lean not to your own understanding. Uh, let God speak to you and lead you. The word acknowledge means recognize Him. And we read in, in uh, verse ten, uh, John chapter 10, verse 3 a while ago, that His sheep recognizes His voice. Recognize the voice of God. And you know what? He's a teacher. So you know what God will do? He, he will do, when you're starting to know the, His voice, He will do little things to train you. When my wife and I, when God, we, we were just married a month. We were married in June of 82, and in July of 82, 
the, the door opened for us to go to Central America, and I was praying about it. And I had a great job there at Chevrolet there in Ville Platte, and everything was doing great. And I, I'd get up and pray every morning, 5 o'clock, and pray and read. And one morning I was praying, Lord, I just thank you. You've shown me what to do. I thank you that you're guiding and leading me. And, and I got up like I usually do. God didn't talk to me. Someone get up and go to work, you know. And I got up and I heard the Lord say, get back on your knees. So I got back on my knees. He said, go ahead and get up. So I got up. He says, get back on your knees. So I got back on my knees. He said, you heard me, didn't you? I said, yes, sir. He says, well, hear me now. He says, go to work. Give you two week, two weeks notice. And I have called you at this time to go to Central America. You see, he did a little training session. And then when he did that, when he did speak, there was no doubt that I heard the voice of God. And he may tell you, you may say, you know, the weirdest thing, I felt like the Lord told me to go in the kitchen and pray. So I went and prayed in the kitchen. And you know what? Nothing happened. You're in school, baby. Nothing has to happen the first time. He called Samuel three times. And he kept running to see who's calling me. To acknowledge him is to recognize that God is... There's something bigger in this than I can comprehend. So I'm waiting for God to lead me and guide me. I must obey and trust and lean on Him and recognize Him in all of my ways that He will show me, lead me in the right way. Now, if you're taking notes, write this. This is one of the definitions for the word trust. And there's this part here you're going to love. The word trust, Bethal, means to confide in. To confide in. To rely upon fully. To rely upon fully. But I love this. Write this down. To be secure to the point of zero fear. To be secure to the point that you have zero fear. Aren't you scared that you made a mistake? No, I've heard from God. How can you be that confident? Because I know His voice. Don't you know what's going on over there? Don't you know who's with me? Don't you know that this is the worst time to be doing something like that? The Lord says, don't you realize I'm the one who supplied because I'm the one who told you to do it? To lean upon God and to trust Him means there's zero fear. Confidence and trust. God spoke to me. And church, that, that's what we'll need in these last days to stand and to where the things we hear on the news and things we hear from others and the things we hear happening to other people doesn't cause your faith to shake and tremble. But that you're upon the rock and your foundation cannot be shaken. Why? Zero fear. Why? I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. Say that. I trust God. And I'm secure to the point that there is no fear. We need those t-shirts. No fear. Huh? I like that. No fear. So secure in the will of the Redeemer that God will come through. That God, how many of you know God is after, write this down, God is after complete trust. Right. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He will only come to those who please Him because they please Him because they must come to Him by faith. Only by faith can we please God. That's complete trust. That's trusting God has it all in control. God is attracted to our faith. So when we're, when we're tempted with something, we've always got to trust God. Amen. So we got to learn to trust them. I'll give you an example of trust. Uh, we've been moving things around. How, especially when your kids are, are small. 
How many of you remember you, you ask your kids uh, to carry something very valuable? And they go to pick it up and they pick it up and then you realize, you know, that cost me 50 bucks. And so you don't know whether to let them carry it. Well, what we usually do is we usually go help them carry it. Here, let Daddy help you. No, Daddy, you told me to do it. I know, baby, but Daddy wants to help you. I, I just want to be around you. Why? Because you, you thought a good idea about letting them carry it, but you don't trust them. Hmm. That's your mama's vase from her grandma. And she gets home and it's broken because Daddy asked you to carry it. Daddy, you're not you, but Daddy's going to get a whipping. So what do we do? We help carry it because it's that important. Well, you know what? A lot of times we tell God, God, I'm putting it all in your hands. But oh, wait, wait a minute, God. You can't handle it by yourself. So God, God, here, let me help you. You remember when your children were real small and when they thought they would help you, you're carrying something and they're four years old, still in diapers. And a pe- no, they're not in diapers. They're four years old. Thank God. But anyway, some are. <laughs> but remember when they're real small and they're running around their little short pants, you know, little, and, and, and you're carrying something real heavy and they go, here, daddy, let me help you. Or you're pulling the, pushing the wheelbarrow and they come behind you. Here, daddy, let me help you. I can do that. That's how we look to God. God, I've given you my kids, but God, no, here, let me help you. Let me talk to them. Let me give them something. Let me go with them. Let me do this. Let me help you, God, because you may, I don't fully trust you. But I can trust me, so I'm going to help you. How many of that doesn't do any good? Amen. Somebody saying glory, glory. Yes. Glory, glory. We give it to God, but then we have to have our hands on it. Psalm 28, verse 7. Look at this with me. I want to show you something here. This is very practical stuff tonight. Psalms 28, verse 7. Look what it says. This is real important. Because I want you to see some keys here. It's not just being a Christian, but walking in revelation. I want you to see something here. 28, verse 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise Him. You hear what David's saying? I've learned that I can trust God. And since I trust God, I can rely upon Him. And because I can trust God, I am joyful. Now, you need to write this down. This is interesting. How many know the joy of the Lord is your strength? Everybody knows the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? What's the source of strength? Joy. Joy. What's the source of joy? What do we read in Psalms? Trust. Pastor, I've got a problem with joy. Then you've got a problem somewhere with trust. David says, because I've learned to trust, I'm joyful. And because I'm joyful, I'm strong. Why do I feel so weak? Because you need some joy. I know, but how do I get joy? You get joy by trust. So many people say, I've got a deficit in the area of joy. I know the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let the weak say they are strong. But, but there's something wrong in my life. I don't know. Why don't I have any joy? You've got a problem in the area of trust. That God is going to lead you into the right path. And, he's, and He knows right where you are. He knows what you're believing for. And so a lot of times, you know, what's wrong with the joy? There's an issue in trust. And you see, the Bible says in the last days, the love of many will go cold and, and people's heart will fail. Listen, people's heart will fail. He says, when I come to earth, will I find any faith? 
He says there's going to be a lack of faith in the end times because people's heart will fail them. Why? Because people will stop trusting God and trust the government or trust other things but will not trust God. Therefore, you're going to see a lot of sourpusses instead of a lot of joyful, happy people. Trust increases the level of joy. Amen. So we got we got to write that down. We've got to meditate on that, that if I have a joy issue... I really have a trust issue. The definition for trust means to go down as on one's back or to fall entirely on the Lord. Brother Shane, could you help me a minute? I want, I want to show you something here. Brother, I want you to stand right here. This is a good opportunity. Hallelujah. Here's Brother Shane. Don't, don't, don't look at me. Put your hands to your side. Okay, I want you to close your eyes. And I don't want you to look at me. And I just want you just to fall back. Just fall <laughs> What you waiting on? <laughs> oh, you put your foot back, didn't you? You put your foot back. What, wait, I'm getting there. Hey, who's preaching? Just wait your turn Sunday. Okay. Y'all saw Brother Shane, huh? Now, I'm going to close my eyes. And I'm going to fall back. Let me ask you something. What was easier? You catching me or letting me catch you? catching you. What was easier? Me catching you. What was easier? Me catching you. Because you were in control. Right. When I was catching you, you weren't in control. control. You see what it means to trust in the Lord? It means to fully fall backwards that God is going to be there to catch me. But you know why it's hard to trust God? Because what if he decides he's going to take the opportunity to psych me out? (laughs) (laughs) What if he would have taken the opportunity? I would have taken the opportunity... I just let him fall. But somewhat he trusted me. You saw he didn't trust me at first. You did real good. I'm glad you acted that way because you know me for one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, brother. But did you all see it was hesitation? And to close your eyes and let yourself go, there's a hesitation there. That's how we are in our hearts many times with God. God says, do this. Close your eyes and just do it. I need confirmation, Lord. Your name's not Gideon. You don't need a fleece. You know my voice. Follow my voice. God, I'm going to need a fleece. I'm not giving you a fleece. I want you to recognize my voice. Thank God that when we're young Christians, fleeces can work. But fleeces don't always work. God wants us to depend on knowing the voice of the shepherd. Amen. So I just want you to see this, that it's easy to control then be controlled. It's easier to navigate <laughs> than be navigated. How many of you just love your wife telling you where to turn? How many love your husband telling you where to turn and how to drive? Is it easier driving or being told how to drive? It's easier driving. Well, what is wrong with my life? Area of trust. I really don't know if God told me to do this. I don't know if God really told me to do that. It's areas of trust. Look with me in Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Psalms chapter 20, verse 7. What if it doesn't work out? Can you imagine? Do you know what I believe one of the temptations of Christ was? When Satan took him and tempted him and said, If you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. You know what I believe one of the temptations was? Satan didn't know what Jesus was going to do. 
So he said, you know, instead of waiting to see whatever mysterious plan you have planned out is going to work, why don't you just fall down and worship me now and what you really want, I'm going to give it to you. Because you don't know this mysterious plan is going to work anyway. He was trying to sow doubt. Throw yourself from this roof because, you know, the Lord said, but what if? And the enemy always throws seeds of doubt. What, what if? Why don't we find another way now because you don't know what the future is going to hold? You said the Lord's called you the mission field, but you don't know what the future's got to hold, so you better hurry up and go on the mission field now or you're not going to make it. How many of you remember growing up in church? I know some of y'all grew up in church, and when I was, uh, when I was a teenager, I used to think, because somebody prophesied that Jesus was coming back in 1980-something. And I was thinking, man, I, I'm, I'm going to die a virgin. God, can't you just wait a little while? You know, I mean, I want to be married and all that. I mean, you know, you, you want God to do everything on your agenda, you know. Well, can you imagine if I would have done something wrong because somebody said Jesus was coming back in 1979 and I couldn't get married till 1982. So, you know, let's just go ahead and, and get that over with so I, I, I don't die that way and go to heaven without that and experience and everything. So, you know, let's just go ahead and do that now. Can you? But that's how we think. If I'm going to do something, I need to do something now because I may not have the opportunity to do in the future. So I can't trust God with that. Amen. Boy, it's tight in here now. Watch this. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. But I'm, I'm just telling you, I, I don't know if y'all had that trouble, but I used to cry over that. I remember crying with God over that. It's not fair. Obey your word and you're coming back. And they don't do that up there. And Anyway. <laughs> you get the picture, huh? There's no children in here, so... Psalms chapter 20, verse 7. Look at this. God's making a point here. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. See, I knew knew you needed to laugh. You know, so that's why I did that. Yeah, that's why I did that. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You know what? Listen, you know what David's saying? You can have the best horses, the best chariots, the best spears, the best bows and arrows, the best weapons there are. Go ahead and shine them chariots. But your chariots don't impress me because I'll remember the name of the Lord. And you know, I could show it to you in First Chronicles. I believe it's 18. I got it written down. But where it said, let's send Judah first. And then you remember First Chronicles twenty twenty, where they gave the prophecy about send the worshipers first and put the armored men in the back and let the musicians go first and put all the soldiers in the back because you will not have to fight in this war because I will fight with you. Yeah. Then you remember the walls of Jericho. It was the musicians who went around first and the soldiers went behind. Why? God was trying to show them and he is trying to show us. Some trust in human form, human strength, human ability. But David said, I've learned that my shield is trusting in the name of the Lord. In other words, I want you to see this. Can you imagine? Brother Neil, you play football. Can you imagine? You go to, you, you go play a game one day, uh, with the Bulldogs. It was Vol- Bulldogs, right? Ville Platte Bulldogs. You go, you would go play. And all of a sudden the coach would say, Neil, all you guys are going to sit on the sidelines. Who was the big rivalry? Was it Sacred Heart? Who was the big rivalry back then? Bunky. Okay, oh, they know nobody from Bunky. Anyway, that's in football. Anyway, can you imagine you go to play football that night and the coach says, Neil, all you testosterone guys, I want y'all sitting on the stands. 
because I'm going to have the cheerleaders and the band put on y'all's helmets and they're playing the game tonight. That would have been interesting, huh? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Can you imagine? Go to a football game. It's Super Bowl. And God tells the coach, put the cheerleaders and the band on the field to fight the Broncos. And I want the football players to sit on the bench. Oh, God. Those Denver, Denver Broncos, they're going to wipe out and kill every... Can you imagine those little Richard Simmons cheerleader guys? Huh? Can you imagine all them cheerleader guys and them band guys? Can you imagine? They're on the football field. <laughs> they're on the football field. And they're facing all these big old football players. And because God told the coach, I want to put the band and the cheerleaders on. And I want the football players out. Can you imagine everybody be watching? Oh, those poor little guys are going to be broken in half. Well, what's the difference between the big Philistines and, Am- and Amorites and all the enemy with their swords and bows and arrows and spears and they're lined up by hundreds of thousands and God says, I want you to put the worship team. Now, Bobby's a macho man, but some don't have <laughs> macho men. Can you imagine? Put the worship team and say, the worship team's going out with not even a knife, just with a guitar and a tambourine. And that's who I want you to go out against, these big old guys who's hollering, I'm going to kill you, Braveheart. All these guys are out there. They're all painted, and they're ready to charge. And there's the band. Let's go up to Zion. Let's go up to Zion. <laughs> Can you imagine? It don't make a lick of sense, but the Lord says, this is my way to fight, and this is my way to win. Because it's not about how strong and powerful your army is, is how much do you trust me? And if you ever get out of trusting me, that's why David caused a curse to come upon Israel because he had to count and do a census. Because he wanted to see what he had instead of keep praising God for who God is. And we start trusting and relying on ourselves in, in what I have and what I know and what I believe. And the focus gets off of how awesome and how great he is. To worship Him and praise Him. So it's important of how we respond and how we react when we come into those places. To put our eyes upon Him and trust Him, the Alpha and the Omega. You know, we're coming to the days and, 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 and we're seeing around the world where Jesus says, you're, much, you're anxious about many things. You worry about what you're going to wear and you worry about what you're going to eat and you worry about where you're going to lay your head. You're anxious about so many things, but, but you've got to understand that the Father, you've got to trust God when it comes to provision of food and clothing and cars and houses and things. God wants to give you these things, but you're so anxious and trying to figure out, leaning on your own understanding, how you're going to get all of these things instead of trusting and relying on me that I know what you have need of. Now you just rest and trust in me, and I'll bring these things to you. It's not the big... PhD is not the big this, is not the big that, is that you know me and you trust me so much and you honor me through your trusting in such a level. I'm going to, I'm going to show you and I'm going to reward you by that childlike trust that you just fall in my arms. You just fall in my word. You just fall in hoping in me. I'm going to show everybody around and I'm going to show and prove you that because you trust in me, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to give you health. I'm going to bring nourishment to your bones. I'm going to bless your finances. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to give you a long life. I'm going to give you all the blessings in my word because you showed me you trust in me. 
You didn't go around worrying about all these things like the Gentiles do. You you were just comforted and you just slept like my children do. Trust in me. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. What are we going to do about all this stuff? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. How many of you know it's chaos out there today? It's wild. All of you are hearing things you've never heard before. You're seeing things you've never seen before. But we know that God is still God. And so when everything is chaos and wild, is my God, what is going on? You just go around saying, I know in whom I believe in that He is able to keep that to Him against that day. I know in whom I believe in. Paul, we're going to sink. Nope, an angel of the Lord stood with me this night and said He's going to spare all of us. I don't believe you. I believe God. When it's all crashing, I believe God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I don't know what I'm going to do about my mate. I don't know what I'm going to do about my, ch- my child. I don't know, don't know what I want to do about this and that and the other. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Lord, I don't have any gas and I'm going to drive it to the gas pump. Because you told me I've got to go here. And you know I don't have any money. You know that I don't have any gas. I'm going to the gas pump. And is this somehow all of a sudden, shh, here comes somebody. And the Spirit of God tells them, give them $10, give them $20, and God provides the gas. It's a privilege, church, to live by faith. So many times we got so much extra in our pocket or in our bank account or we got a credit card. We forget the privilege of having to trust God fully. But when we put all those things aside and not having to have all these credit cards and not having to uh, depend upon our own sufficiency and, 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 and this and that and the other, but God, I'm going to learn to trust you. Lord, here's my budget. Here's my budget. Now you breathe on it. I sow my seed and you breathe on it. And I, I, I'll trust you completely. He will never let you down. God cannot fail. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, this was not what I had planned on preaching tonight, but I felt God led me here, and I think somebody needed it. And I feel, let's just go ahead and stand up, and I feel...